Uh, and we're live, Bennett. Uh, looking fresh as a peony. Your skin looks oh, good. Thank you. Is it a joke? Because I don't think my skin has ever looked worse. No, yeah. it looks good. It might be the smoothing feature that, um... That, have um, I blurred my background? Let me have yeah. you blurred your background? That's a good question. Okay. <sighs> Thank you. We're talking about the infamous bl background blurring feature on Skype that, um... It does kind of what you think it'll do, which is blur your background. And... Um, it, it takes up about 50% of your, um, CPU space, but it'll get you a good glow on your screen mm -hmm. when you're talking to your boys, your girls, everything in between. Well, especially if you're someone who's like working from home and milking that as an opportunity to do sort of a slow roast on a brisket in your living room, <laughs> you don't you don't want people to know about that going on yeah. in the background. Oh yeah, because yeah. you've you... got sort of a charnel house set up, you really don't want to <laughs> spill you the have, beans. Yeah, you have your your hovel and your um your open fire cooking just like mm -hmm. a perpetual stew behind you you're gonna want to blur that out especially when you have somebody like uh uh who's the uh who's the white-haired cnn gay man uh, anderson cooper anderson cooper especially when you got him on the horn you don't want him no seeing uh, where, how right. the sausage is made or what? where it's being made uh, I have a six-figure salary. I can't have people knowing I smoke weed out of soda cans. <laughs> um, I, I'm hearing a hiss on the line, Ben. Are you hearing a hiss on this line? Is that uh, a Wichita yeah. lineman getting in on this call? Could be. Could be. It's getting, uh, getting closer. Uh, if there's any spirits on this line, uh, please make yourself known. A spirit? I, I, I suppose oh. that's probably me. Oh my, this is a what vocal spirit. Um, it, uh, is it, are you a friendly spirit or uh, an evil spirit? We'll go with friendly today. Okay, wow. Uh, this, this spirit sounds a little like, using my deductive skills, sounds a little like he's from, uh, and it's a man from Portland, Oregon. Did I get that dialect right? You are good. What can I say? <laughs> Craig, how the hell are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Craig is here as a part of the legal team of Split Tooth Media. He's ready to sue us for our first couple of seasons, and we just wanted to go over a few details about maybe the future and uh, how he might go about suing us so that we might be able to, A leave the country or be counter sue craig uh despite our kind of mix-up that we've had really happy to have you on here on real rap well thank you we are getting all of our necessary papers in order so we better have a good defense <laughs> uh you bet your sweet b-u-t-t i will have a good defense um or you'll and you'll see me in court is what i'll probably say when we're um when we're signing off I look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Craig's here on behalf of Split Tooth Media. This Split Tooth is a critical review site and culture website based in Portland, Oregon, that Craig himself started and is and is going to be hosting uh, Real Rap for the foreseeable future. Uh, Craig, will you tell us a little bit about how you started Split Tooth? I know you're a music writer. Is that kind of how you got into it? Yeah. Um Definitely. I was the arts and culture editor for the University of Oregon's student newspaper, The Daily Emerald, 
after I graduated, there were, you know, not a lot of jobs out there for <laughs> writing. So I exactly. figured if I wanted to do it, I'd have to start my own site. So I stole the best writers I could get, and we've just kind of done our own thing since then. Wonderful. It's a great site. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to have you guys as a part of it. So, um, Have you listened to any of our episodes? I've heard a few. I love them. I don't always know what's going on, but they're they're a blast. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's that's the actually the first feedback we've got for it. So oh, um, wow. I really appreciate that. <laughs> You'll notice there are around like fifteen to uh, like eighteen reviews on iTunes. We wrote every single one of those with burner accounts. <laughs> you notice they I was all kidding. username wise play with the same sort of iconography. Oh, I was just convinced you had legions of followers, so I'm shocked. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's obviously a joke. Um, you can find Split to- the Splittooth website on splittoothmedia.com, by the way. And you can uh, subscribe to uh, Real Rep. Listen, you don't have to do this. Subscribe to Real Rep on Patreon at patreon.com slash realrep. You can get extra episodes there, a lot of uh, uncut ruminations on um film life and uh not having a job um but anyway craig i know you uh had some questions for the twins here so if you want to um just fire she, away put on yes. a shirt jesus <laughs> <laughs> not, no no okay not those I twins. forgot to put on, put on my pasties i'm sorry <laughs> yeah so i just sorry. figured you know, moving to Split Tooth, it would be a good idea. Just kind of let new listeners know what you guys are all about and okay. give us an idea of what you've done and what's coming up. Okay. I figured for people who are new, I think it's pretty key that they kind of know what you guys are about and where you're coming from. So mm-hmm. clearly it's a very humor-heavy podcast, but uh-huh. <laughs> you guys, just tell me a little about what inspired you guys to start this. Um, yeah, sure. No, so uh, I, Shane and I are, are, are two people who uh, we both studied film in school uh shane was a cinema studies major and i uh was an art history minor uh focusing almost <laughs> exclusively on uh kind of avant-garde and documentary cinema and uh i don't know shane and i had a long history of uh sitting in his living room kind of shit talking over movies not not your classically good or classically bad films a lot of sort of forgotten auteur works like uh martin scorsese's cape fear or john singleton's four brothers and it was in talking about movies like that that we thought, well, we uh, we really should try to monetize this. And uh, it's been all uphill from there. We have around, uh, I think we have, we have, we have 67 Patreon subscribers now. We're ranking, uh, ra- raking in around like 1600 a month. So on top of my, uh, my six-figure salary, it's been really kind of incredible. Oh, <laughs> oh that is definitely not... Um the case but i'm happy to <laughs> to be on board uh i know that you know we got to move with a united front here bennett i'm looking at you so i'm going to agree with you there and um supplement it a little by saying i think i've i've uh come to realize recently that i both of us grew up in a place that uh enjoying art and uh watching like um you know good movies is something to be ashamed of and not talk about. Mm-hmm. And I guess we started this just kind of wanting to be funny and wanting to be uh, the performers that we were born to be, um, as you can probably tell. And 
it was kind of an oblique way of being able to express ourselves to each other because Bennett is the only person that I knew growing up that I could talk about just like works of art with or, you know, seriously have a conversation about this stuff. But it was always couched in making so much fun (laughs) of everything and each other. Um, So I guess Uh the the podcast is a little bit of a synthesis in that. And um, dipping our feet in the critical pool, the critical baby Uh pool. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's a nice combination of the grab ass and the chin stroking that usually accompanies the the watch movies. Now, I have to say, my favorite part of real rap is how you two do just play off each other and just push jokes to however far they need to go. But then you still tie it into analysis on films. I, I just <laughs> love how you guys do that and just want to see what you're planning on doing when you'll be on Split Tooth with that stuff. <laughs> wow, I very much appreciate that. Bennett, what do you think? Um, so I will say that, yeah, I think it was the, the Cassavetes and Cassavetti series that we did that was really uh, kind of a turning point for us because it represented for us a way to um, combine both um, fairly serious conversations around uh, a filmmaker who we really enjoy, whose style we consider to be kind of the pinnacle, and also another filmmaker who's just kind of <laughs> the embodiment of what we like to make fun of on screen, um, the, the kind of emotionally manipulative but also like bro-y. Uh, filmmaking style. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving forward on, uh, on the next couple filmmakers we've got planned for the, the split tooth transition, uh, we're hoping they're filmmakers whose uh, subject matter will get us uh, give us an opportunity to kind of roll around in some of the comedic muck that we've liked, but also I <laughs> uh, think a little bit more seriously. We're doing Sofia Coppola next, who in addition to letting us talk about Godfather 3 and kind of like Hollywood nepotism and... Uh, the 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 um, cultural gaslighting that is the Bill Murray uh, phenomenon. We'll also get to I don't know talk about some some interesting thought provoking films, and then uh, from there we'll, we're we're doing Elaine May and Mike Nichols, which I think should also give us uh, a handful of both, uh, give us an opportunity to talk about kind of an undiscussed uh, under discussed auteur, but then also talk about Charlie Wilson's War, which I think Shane can attest is is weirdly kind of a uh, a touchstone of our friendship. <laughs> Despite the fact that I think I've seen it once and you've seen 50% of it. I've seen, I've seen I, a little known fact about me that comes out every now and then is that I've seen about 25 movies and then I watch those over and over again. And then all the new movies that I watch are just like the ones that we watch for the podcast. So my, my brain is steeped in like tepid water right now. Um, so I hope that for the few, for the upcoming episodes with split tooth that i'm really excited about and i'm very glad that you have kind of uh gave us a reason to do some serious work with the podcast i feel like with the cassavetes and cassavetes we wanted to do the really serious stuff but i was afraid personally that it was just not going to be funny if we're just talking about john cassavetes and like um and so <laughs> stretching ourselves so thin by trying to do two movies in an episode was our way of remedying that. But I think that uh, I'm confident that we can watch stuff that's actually good and, um, you know, challenges us to think in new ways while still um, enjoying doing it and uh, being funny. Because my education for, like, film criticism has that has been that it's just, like, the most boring, lonely uh act you could do just like watch a movie in the dark and silence and then have like one guy in class talk about what he thought about it and then leave um Uh so i hope i hope that we can 
uh, reach new heights um, and find a way to uh, enjoy these movies together in a way that's not so like bolted down and has to do only with writing. I really like the idea of performance and comedy in a way that's not as structured as uh, everything requires it to be. Uh, I'm not a great writer. Ben is a great writer. Um, So... He's shaking his head. <laughs> no, and I'm thinking about the the article he just wrote that has the topic East do E six have legs question mark. So um uh-huh. I guess different strokes. But I think that's genius. What one of the key ways we differ and, and that's something I'm interesting to see interested to see reveal itself ultimately throughout the next series is you described the, 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 the solitary experience of watching a film as being lonely. Uh, mm-hmm. Fundamentally, I am invigorated and thrilled by the experience <laughs> of going to the theater and watching a washed out digital image with like four or five other incels. Uh-huh. And I think I'm, I, I consider it to be like a mission over the next couple of series of really trying to get you uh, to, uh, on that to see way from my perspective. Playing. Yeah, on my uh-huh. wavelength, uh, so to speak. <laughs> Um, yeah, also, I think a key difference between <laughs> Ben and I is that Bennett hates the togetherness of life, and I have a yearning for it, uh-huh. which is a, kind of a yin and yang, um, but uh-huh. we, we meet in a nice little, uh, again, a baby pool. Uh, there's, there's, no, me, there's no for lack of a better term, <laughs> baby pool. There's... All right, yeah. So real, <laughs> you guys. I'm so generally... sorry. <laughs> You're good. So you guys generally you pick a director and you work through their filmography. You know, usually uh-huh. one a week or so. You've done yeah. John Favreau, Mel Gibson, and I love the Cassavetes. Cassavetes one. But I'm curious, how do you decide what directors to pick? So, our initial idea... Bennett's basically picked all of them, but... The initial idea, we, we, we first started with, um, actually, the one director you didn't mention, Ron Howard. It originally, the idea the came angel. to me as, like... <laughs> it came to me in a dream, and Angel Moro and I <laughs> said, we really, we really need a podcast that covers the work of America's greatest odd chair. Uh-huh. That bald-headed baby boy, <laughs> Ron Howard. No, I am... Um, I initially wanted to uh, make it all about directors who had no sort of auteur identity, who no one had discussed as auteurs of any sort, who had nevertheless gotten a certain amount of name recognition. And it occurred to me that that was pretty thin fucking soup, right? It was, it was like it was going to be Ron Howard, Edward Zwick, um, you know, Robert Redford, and then um, as we were kind of finally after like a year wrapping up Ron Howard, um, we realized it would be amazing to pivot from Ron Howard to Mel Gibson, pivot from Hollywood's nice guy to maybe the worst human being living. And it it occurred to us that we could, (laughs) Hollywood's bad boy, we could stick with this kind of non-auteur notable director thing, but uh, we could stay in that kiddie pool if we broadened <laughs> the subject to um, actors turned directors, because mm-hmm. I think I find this more personally fascinating than Shane does, but you, Shane, you've heard me pontificated about it all the time. There's uh-huh. something so fascinating about the concept of an actor turned director, the hubris of, yeah. but I got to direct. I, I got to be in charge. <laughs> um, so that's really what fascinates us, and that's kind of what's dictated who we pick. And then mm-hmm. um, I, it comes down to just kind of like subjects that we find fascinating. Um, we I, like a director I would love to do is someone like Clint Eastwood, who's got 
40 films, 20 of which might as well not exist. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm very fascinated, and that was certainly something that made Ron Howard appeal, was that he's got 10 colossal hits and then 30 movies that no one living on this planet has thought of in the last decade. Mm. Um, Shane, I, I think you would agree, one of the things that's been kind of fun is talking about movies and thinking about movies at length that no one has thought of in many years. Oh, yeah. Gung Ho, for example. Who's thought about <laughs> Gung Ho more than you or I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly. Um, I, I know we started out <clears throat> doing, I think also us watching the movies that we would watch were just on TV on my like extensive, uh, cable program that my parents had. Uh, and we would just pick, you know, whatever was on one like stars or something. And a lot of that was stuff no one cares about that but that you'll have on the background because like you watched it 10 years ago and you're like yeah that's you know it's cool whatever um and so uh mel gibson was somebody that was just really attractive to us because he was so chaotic and he has a really uh renegade spirit and he's somehow really popular and i feel like we tried to figure out like actor turned director or like we tried to fit the theme to whatever was just fun for us to do at the time. Um, but every, I think every director has had just like a really amorphous kind of non personality and yet is known in every household seemingly because they have no charisma. It just gets, uh, it gets kind of filled in by the Hollywood dominant culture. Um, like a guy like Ron Howard doesn't really have a personality, I would say, uh, besides being like a nice guy. Um, and that kind of lets his movies be placeholders for the way he actually is. So like a guy like Mel Gibson is defined by a movie like Passion of the Christ. And, you know, he could probably, you know, murder 10 people, but people would still be like, but you know. He did do Passion of the Christ, and that's uh, you got to hand it to the guy. <laughs> I mean, I I think one of the fun things about particularly the Ron Howard series was the the sort of detective aspect of our work as podcasters, our noble noble work as the Sixth Estate mm. podcasters, <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out what Ron Howard's um, trademarks were, what does mm. he stand for, and it mm-hmm. was a weird list of things. Like it's yeah. obvious, Mel Gibson on the surface, you're like, okay, what does he stand for? On misogyny, anti-Semitism, racism. <laughs> Ron Howard, you have to dig a little bit deeper and you find mm-hmm. out he hates mayors mm-hmm. and any sort of uh, state and local level politician. <laughs> he's 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 very much, a, he's got a chip on his shoulder and that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Craig, is another theme I think that's probably going to dictate who we pick moving forward. We're very fascinated, at least, I don't, I, I don't want to speak for you, I'm very fascinated by mm-hmm. directors who for some reason have this gigantic chip on their shoulder. Uh-huh. and wear it throughout all of their films. John Favreau and Ron Howard being two very good examples. Uh-huh. Just upset for some reason, even though they've been handed every movie that comes their way. Uh-huh. Any, any, metatextual, uh, any metatextual reading you could make in any of their films is always like, well, he clearly he thinks about him himself as someone who's up against critics, up against the establishment, despite directing almost nothing but hits and continually getting chances. So how does Sofia Coppola fit into this? Um, Sofia Coppola stretches our definition of actor turned director in an interesting way. I think she's someone who was kind of forced into a career as an actor, mm. which is sort of fascinating. Um, and I'm also, a theme that's really interesting for me is uh, the, the whole, uh, the, 
the, the grappling with fame that Sofia Coppola does. Shane, you and I talked about this in the most recent Patreon episode. Mm-hmm. Like, she gets a lot of crap for being someone who's uh, obviously grown up with an you know, immeasurable amount of privilege, but I think it's a theme that she's wrestled with pretty interestingly in all of her filmography. And um, I'm interested about the opportunity to talk about a couple films that were really loved in their time that have maybe not aged so great, um, Lost in Translation being you know, the big one there, and then mm-hmm. a movie like Marie Antoinette and uh, Somewhere, movies that were not really liked that are starting to get reappraised. I'm interested to sort of... Uh, Throw my hat in the ring there, uh, Shannon. Your thoughts on Sophia? Yeah, uh, she, I, I, I really liked the stuff that I saw when I was in like high school and early college, and um, I think she is initially appraised very well by like the people at least that I talked to that aren't necessarily like big film buffs. Um, and Virgin Suicides is super popular, and everyone loves it. So I'm interested to see if it if there's uh you know something deep to it that we'd be able to find or you know i th- i think she is somebody who's kind of on the edge of the mainstream and her movies get published about a lot um and that she just deserves to be looked at seriously because she has been doing this kind of interesting emotionally kind of distant or like performatively sad in a way that doesn't really match like her popularity. I think like if she, her fame as being Francis Ford Coppola's daughter allows her to do a little bit more with like being a popular director and she does have something to say and I'm interested to figure out what that is. So how about Elaine May and Mike Nichols moving forward? So I, I, I'm really interested in Elaine May as a filmmaker in general. Um, I think she's four for four, as far as I'm concerned, for mm-hmm. kind of stone-cold classics. And then uh, Mike Nichols has one of those other careers where, like, I wish we could cover every single one of his films. It's just going to be too unwieldy a filmography. He's directed in so many genres and been kind of at both polar extremes when it comes to, like, movies that don't exist and movies that struck gold with the Oscars. I mean, I think mm-hmm. of someone like Robert Robert Altman being as the, among the few people with a comparable filmography. Um I am especially excited to get to talk about Peter Falk and John Cassavetes again when we talk about Mikey and Nicky. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I think that series will offer an interesting mix of like movies that everyone will have seen. Uh, you know, The Graduate, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Movies that no one has thought of in a very long time that were big in their, uh, in, in their time, like Primary Colors or uh, mm-hmm. The Birdcage. And then... Um, Movies that truly have not been movies that truly have not been uh, critically excavated in any sense, something like uh, Charlie Wilson's War. So that movie will <laughs> let us kind of hit hit every base as far as uh, the movie's familiarity, uh, artistic success. I guess. Uh huh. I'm I'm a little I'm a little less aware of like Mike N- Nichols' career as a whole, but as far as I've seen with Elaine May, she's just like a somehow just a superhuman for them to be like comedians and then just turn into these superstar directors uh after that career is really insane to me when i I think of like james agee as a guy who's just like an awesome writer and then also an awesome critic and then just like a director um i don't know there's something something obviously really important about these people and uh deserve deserve to be uh taken seriously for their art Absolutely. So then one other thing I'm really excited about in October for Split Tooth, we're doing a full month of horror 
it's every day we're planning on having a post about horror movies. <gasps> Real Rap's going to be doing a few. You want to tease what you'll be talking about for those? Sure. I'm writing about I, <laughs> Vampire's Kiss, uh, the movie starring Nicolas Cage, famous for the image of him making that really freaky kind of... <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Like a, a, a kind of a face you would think an octopus would make. It's kind of all stretched out. Um, with his mouth open and his eyes sort of in like a V shape somehow, even though they're still circular. Um, but he, that movie is awesome because it is as visually exciting as like a silent film would have to be like Nosferatu. And it does, um, it's just insanely hilarious and funny while being kind of a freaky commentary on living in a city and, uh, also how horrifying New York is as a city. Uh, and then I'm also doing uh, uh, Deathbed, the, de- the Bed That Eats, which Classic. is an insane fucking movie. Craig, you've seen it? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know what I'm going to say because that movie is just such like orchestrated uh, chaos in my head. It kind of is like a TV commercial version of a horror movie, but also just so amazingly developed and has like the idea that there's a guy for no reason that lives behind a picture frame in the bed and doesn't like spy on anyone. He just lives there. And then the bed near him eats people. Uh, that's, that's definitely something I want to learn more about and kind of use in my own life. I can't Um, wait to hear what you come up with for that. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. Uh, I, I'll be writing about another vampire movie that's also about someone who may or may not be a vampire. And in and, and trying to write about it and watching it again the other day, I realized how much it has in common with Vampire's Kiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's George Romero's Martin, uh, which I think I'm, I think I'm going to be trying to relate to our ongoing conversation about incels in the media. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a community that unfortunately really has a platform and it really fascinates me. And, and, and with uh, Joker, uh, Todd Phillips' opus uh, Joker... <laughs> coming out in October, I think it'll be a really ample opportunity to uh, maybe maybe have a serious critical conversation about the weirdly uh, I don't know weirdly big megaphone we've been giving incels in this country mm-hmm. uh, in discussions about art. Uh, and then I'm also going to be talking about Joel Petricus's, uh films. Uh, Buzzard, uh, Relaxer, uh, uh, let's see they were called, Anarchist Cookbook, or Alchemist Cookbook, mm-hmm. um, Great filmmaker, really under watched and under discussed. Um, really, really great, uh, spooky stuff, and probably the ultimate example of the uh, shit boy cinema that we like to talk about so much. Just kind of about uh, crappy, sort of greasy, sweaty guys that eat bag snacks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Ben, and I can't uh, wait to hear you talk about that because you've every loved second- him for so long. Every single one of those movies is an exercise in there, but for the grace of God, go I. And I finally watched his first film, his first feature, Ape, which is about like a fucking, it's about a shitty stand-up comedian. It's truly like, imagine if the king of comedy was about a crappier comedian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. So I'm excited to write about that. And then on the show, I think we'll be talking about some horror movies directed by actors. Uh, still slightly up in the air, but thinking about talking about Ganjin Hess. Uh, yes. Frailty, Night of the Hunter. There's a few good examples of uh, just frailty as a concept. Directors. 
we're just gonna be talking about our own personal frailty, our own personal failings. Um, I don't know about you, Shane. My my one big weakness is that I'm weak, so we'll probably have a lot of it's been a three hour episode. Uh-huh. I think the thing I'm most excited about for October is that we have a very wide range of just you know goofy horror all the way up to just genuinely terrifying stuff and everything yeah. in the middle. So. Much I'm like this so show, excited. it's going to cover a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to see the stuff that it gets written because so many of the people involved in this are people that I've been wanting to read their stuff anyway. And uh, I feel like horror is a great place for good writers and funny people to, I don't know, meet and share their thoughts. I'm really genuinely excited. Yeah, no, me too. And there's people writing them from so many different perspectives it's going to be fun is there anything else the split tooth audience needs to know about real rap before i head out uh don't listen to the beat don't listen to the first like 20 episodes start with like start <laughs> halfway through ron howard if you want to go back and listen uh-huh. um yeah or even later like start with the most recent i'm only comfortable telling people to listen to like the any of the last like five episodes because the beginning i was <laughs> not firing a, on all cylinders yeah all and no cylinders so uh-huh. uh just a fair warning it it's more i don't know an anthropological uh type thing if you're mm. listening towards the beginning where i'm just completely blacked out on the mic and ben, <laughs> ben it's like, uh, working on uh running the show what do you think Bennett? um I, yeah i would just say I'm a wild card, and you're going to have to get used to that, folks. Sorry. Right. Pew, pew. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I wouldn't listen. I certainly wouldn't listen to the Grinch episode, for example, where on top of just <laughs> on top of just being completely our worst selves on mic, neither of uh-huh. us has any idea how to, uh, how to structure, edit, <laughs> mix a podcast. It's just uh-huh. fucking, I don't know, shit-slinging madness. <laughs> I think this is the first time I've ever interviewed someone who has, instead of saying, this is our highlights, they've said, avoid these at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want some highlights, I mean, uh, the 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 split tooth folks have been have been nice enough to be uh, tweeting some of our highlights. I think our alpha dog episode is a very good mix of our kind of high minded antics and our low minded um, trough play. I think, uh-huh. um, yeah, the Cass- I would say the Cassavetti stuff is a great um, place to look for the the high and the low of doing double episode double you know when a baseball team plays two games in one i don't know how they do it personally but you know, they <laughs> will play two full 18 innings in one day back to back um that's sort of what we did but we did it in an hour so imagine playing nine innings of baseball in a single hour that's a little bit of like what we're gonna be when we're gonna be um and getting right on down to it when we're recording and getting into and uh turning around those and just putting it down, putting it down on the line. Those episodes. <laughs> imagine having to play. Imagine having to have a catch with your dad nine times. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that. You can only do that for about max seven minutes, and he's tired. You're t- You want to go back to playing Jack and Daxter, or and your um, and your dad's Tim Robbins. <laughs> your dad's Tim and Robbins. He's winging him, and you're he's winging it, and you're living in a dang haunted house. That's Whoa. a thorough. That's a sneak peek. It's a thorough, which you can also listen to. And then a good one recently where we just, I was also fire, firing on all cylinders. 
was the chef episode. Bennett, I don't know if you got about, I think you had about 16 words in on that episode. I was certainly riding high on my ancestral oil. Um, ripping chef a new one. Yeah. Well, I deserved it. <laughs> so it sounds like we're expecting about an episode a week for Split Tooth. Is that correct? That's right, yes. Yes, yeah. Um, and then we'll also still be uh, releasing weekly Patreon episodes, folks. These will be more free form. Uh, we encourage you to, uh, to subscribe. You'll also get the odd piece of written content from Shane and myself. Mm -hmm. uh, making playlists, uh, mixtapes, if you will. All sorts mm -hmm. of content in, in every conceivable media if you subscribe yeah. on Patreon. $5 and, a month, folks. I know that a lot of a lot of other podcasts have been beating around the bush with uh, their promises on the Patreon, but I want to just say it here now. I'll say it loud. I'll say it proud. We have um, a get into heaven free card at the twenty dollar level. That's a Roman Catholic indulgence approved by the Vatican. Uh, we do have business cards for that that you can present to a police officer, priest, anybody you'd like. But at the $20 level, you're going to get into heaven um, for the price of $20 at the $20 level. And so that is after that, it's free. You're getting into heaven for free. And, um, yeah, you get all the other content with that, too. But, you know, I, I, at that point, I wouldn't be listening to dang podcasts if I got a free. I'm putting, putting the old silver bullet. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. That's not true. That is a um, yeah. bargain that can't be beat. So <laughs> <laughs> you're telling me, a, try to find that at Savers. <laughs> All right, well, Shane Bennett, thanks so much for having me on. I am so excited to formally welcome you guys to Split Tooth, and I can't wait for these episodes to start coming out. Yeah, so glad awesome. we finally talked, Craig. Very yeah, excited. Thank nice finally meeting you guys. All right, All right we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Sounds good. See you guys later. Should we keep recording? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do another? You want to do another like ten minutes? Okay. Another ten minutes of shtick. Um, How you feeling? <laughs> we can uh, also man, I've never been interviewed before. I feel so weird. It's like I'm accomplished. I'm I'm gonna ride. I'm gonna probably go in the kitchen and start like talking down to my girlfriend. I'm like, hey, can you feed you the cat or something? Yeah, <laughs> you call it. this ice? <laughs> this ice is hollow. Yeah. Dice. Like, oh, dice. dice. Like, you call it a dice? That's a chop. That's a rough chop. This is, this is like a julienne. Look how long these pieces are. These carrots? You can stick these carrots up my ass. These carrots suck. <laughs> um, I, um, I went to the car, car dealership yesterday, and I was told by another car deal. I was told by a garage i think i talked about this maybe i don't know I a garage told me go to the car dealership and yell at them and tell them to fix your car well i was really ready for my big acting debut at the dealership and i went and i fucking dropped all the papers in front of this guy i was like my hands were shaking and i was like uh, listen <laughs> sir i could have been in a fatal car accident because you did bad work and he was like he's like this fucking 30 something guy named mike with like schlubby pants like baggy ass you know when like people have a belt on but it's not cinched like at their waist it's cinched like around the widest part of their hips look up a picture of woody allen recently <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that and this guy just be like uh 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 okay okay we didn't do any of that so uh yeah you, you just hit the road and i was like uh uh 
uh, okay, what do, where do I sign? And he's like, right here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, the, the other garage told, 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 told me that the, 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 the. <laughs> you, 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 you gotta pay up. Pay up, buddy. So I brought this gun and you better sign here. He's like, give me the gun. So. W- wouldn't believe how easy it is. <laughs> she she oh sa- sa- said. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Classic and, stuff. And I just, I just, I just, I just, I just want to go home and watch <laughs> Stan Brackett. <laughs> crying the the movie reviewer that has to deal with actual real life problems Throwing up in a paper bag. (laughs) Take she's like breathing into the vomit bag in the back of an Uber. With like you dropped all your paper. Oh my god. The first thing I did is drop a huge pack. This guy's just looking at me. This guy who like just graduated at college. I would have just walked out. I would have been like, I can come back another day. Maybe other people will be working. Uh, do you have a different manager? Do you have a maybe a smaller manager? Excuse me. When's the next time that no one who's working right now will be? <laughs> you guys do like a shift change. Is this like like the does the night ma- night audit come in at any point? Oh, yeah. God. Very. Uh, I I was going in and I was like, you know, I'm trying to be less angry. I'm not trying to like stir up these like negative emotions sure enough i go in there and i'm like i'm an angry guy i'm the joker of this volkswagen dealership (laughs) kicking the hornet's nest (laughs) (sighs) kicking no one's hornet's nest but my own like this manager could not be stirred kicking my personal hornet's nest over and over and over again oh yeah That's a real wrap.